Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 21. <clears throat> Pick it up where we left off. <clears throat> where we looked last time at the, uh, the cleansing of the temple. And this was the second time that the temple was cleansed. And, and kind of we saw that, you know, we wish it would be just once, but, you know, many times we have to see God come into our lives over and over again and, and get things straight and work things out and clean things out. And, and Jesus went into the temple there and he cleaned house and, and got out of there things that shouldn't be there and, and he explained to them the things that should be there. It's not just getting out. I read, um, I read this morning in Luke where it talks about, you know, uh, when you deliver uh, someone where, where a person who has you know, the uh, demonic spirits in their lives, and they're delivered from these spirits, but uh, then they come back, they find the place all clean and swept clean and, and empty, and they just come back and say, wow, and they bring seven more with them. See, it's not just getting out the bad stuff, but it's being filled with the, the good stuff, which is, you know, number one, God himself. But, but uh, some of the other things we saw there in that passage, the word of God, Jesus brings the scripture Prayer, he talks about my house will be a house of prayer. He talks about healing there, they, you know, that, they, that there would be healing. And then there was worship, praise and worship. And especially um, uh, what stands out to me is the children that were shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. The children were worshiping and, and they had that childlike faith and worship and and the adults and some of the adults that were there, it says they were indignant. They kind of like, well, you know, hey. But I think rather than being indignant, we need to be uh, imitating the, the, in, the, the zeal and the, um, the life and the childlike uh, nature of children uh, that just love to sing. Um, I was singing with, uh, I was the, Chris Tomlin's got a new CD and there's a song on it that I was I would sing it to the kids, and they would sing it back to me, and they just sing. They don't care. They don't care who's listening. And uh, the kids just love to sing, and the music is a powerful thing. So today, the next section there is Jesus does something rather intriguing, and you may be kind of like really questioning what, he, what, what it is he's doing. And we're going to look at two questions about this. Number one uh, is why, and number two is how what he does. And this kind of leads to two subjects in this passage, verses 18 through 22. And the first one is fruit, and the second one is uh, prayer, believing prayer. I, I was going to, um, you know, I heard Norman brought some, some props and everything. I was going to bring my props today, you know, and, and I was going to bring some fruit, right? Well, I'm just kind of out of it, so I couldn't get it together. Um, you know, but I love fruit. How many of you like fruit? Some people like hate fruit. You know, I don't know why, but I love fruit, especially sweet fruit. I, I don't like the sour fruit. I don't like, like, you know, uh, some of the tart fruits. But I like sweet fruit, especially. And 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 then there's and then there's plastic fruit. How many of you have plastic fruit sitting on your coffee table right now? Be honest. Any of you? You're just not answering because it's not plastic, it's wax. you got wax fruit sitting on your table. I know there's been times when kids come to the fruit and they look at it and they, it's, it's like sitting there and they actually take a bite out of it and they find it's wax. Something's wrong here. Um, 
but it's all dusty and it's useless and and uh, you know but but I, I also have a couple of fruit trees in, in our backyard and and I can't seem to get any good fruit on these trees. I got like an apple tree and I got like a pear tree that were already there when we when we moved into the house. And I can't seem to get any fruit to to good fruit. I get fruit there, but they're all like misshapen, all weird on the pears and the apples. They, they it's bugs really is what it is. And I don't want to go spraying a lot of poison out there, so maybe you got some tips for me. See me after. And and uh, and the apples they just fall before they ever get to a point where you can eat them. They're kind of useless, really. And then there's a tree there that that has no fruit on it that never seems to get any fruit. I go and look. I look for something that I can eat out there, and I'm kind of disappointed. So th- this, is, this is kind of what we're looking at here in these verses. Look at verse 18. It says, early in the morning, as he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. This is Jesus. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. And then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. And when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the tree, fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. And Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, what is going on here? You look at this and you, and you, and you say, Jesus, what, what are you doing? Like, are you, like, do you have a problem? But, you know, Jesus never does anything for, for no reason whatsoever. And there's always some kind of a, a, a message. There's some kind of reason. He's kind of acting uh, out a parable, if you will. And, and there really are the questions. The disciples ask the question, How? But I, I'm wondering, when I looked at it, maybe they should have asked why. How did you do it? How did you do that? But maybe they should have asked the question why, because I think the question why is even more important. I think they're both important, as we'll see. But I think the, the question about why is maybe even more important. I think the first part is really about the fruit, and this answers the question of why. It says early in the morning, he went out, he was hungry. He was hungry, and, 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 and he saw this tree. Now, it makes me think a little bit about Jesus, you know, that he was fully God and fully man. He was actually felt hunger. He was hungry. Maybe the people he stayed with, we, we, we talked about that last time, staying with Martha and Mary. Maybe they didn't feed him enough breakfast. Um, who knows? Maybe he got up early, someone thinks, uh, someone said, uh, you know, and he left the house too early for breakfast, and then he, and now he's there, and but he's hungry, and and he, and and he has this physical body. Don't ever, don't let anyone ever, you know, tell you that Jesus was not fully man, as well as fully God. You see, there's the the false, the false uh, notion, false doctrines that Jesus was only God, and he was God, but he was like a spirit being. He wasn't really there. Physically. And then there are others who say that he was just a man. He was physically there, but he really wasn't God. He, you know, the, the spirit came upon him maybe a couple of times or whatever, but 
But, but Jesus was fully God and fully man. And he knows, and one of the reasons that he came, the incarnation, what they call the incarnation, taking on this flesh, was so that he might understand what we face in this life. He might have a clue like that he can relate to us because he was here. He knows. He knows what it was like to be hungry, to face these different things. But more than that, more than that, what... What strikes me here is that he was hungry and he was looking for fruit. He was looking for fruit on this tree. And, and again, what is, he, what is he talking about here? What is happening here? He's, it says in verse 19, he's seeing the, a fig tree by the road. He went up to it, but he found nothing on it except leaves. That's all he found was leaves. Now, the fig tree was a common, a common fruit tree in, in Israel, still is, and the fig tree had kind of cycles that it would go through. There would be early, what they call early figs, and they would come out just before or at the same time as the leaves, and then later on there would be another, another uh, crop of figs that would come out. So there, there should be, if there were leaves there on this tree, there should really be figs there, you see. And Jesus, is go- he goes to this tree, and there's nothing but leaves there. It had the leaves, but not the fruit. And so he does what he does here. And you say, why? Why did he do that? It had the leaves, but not the fruit. And, and, and Jesus, again, is also confronting the nation of Israel in this whole picture. And many believe that what he is referring to mainly is the nation of Israel, that they had the religion, but they had no relationship. They had the outward. It kind of looked like there should be something happening there, but there's no fruit there. Spiritually barren. He says, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. Paul talks in 2 Timothy about having a form of godliness but denying the power. And we can, we can look all spiritual and we can look like, you know, we got something going on there. We got a lot of leaves. But really there's no fruit there because there's nothing really happening there. You and I can do that. We can come on Sundays and we're, we're smiling, we're telling people, oh, I'm, going, I'm doing okay and all the rest of it, but there's something missing and it's not really happening. There's a spiritual barrenness that's happening in our lives. It's, it's, it's like fig newtons without the figs, is what I think. Can you imagine going to the store and buying fig newtons, right? How many of you like fig newtons? Let's be honest. Man, you guys should move to Israel. A lot of fig trees there. We got stopped. You know, it's harder to get out of Israel than it is to get into Israel. You say, that's weird. But when you leave, they, like, give you the second degree. They ask you all these questions. Where did you go? What did you do? Why were you there? How long did you stay? Do you have relatives here? Do you know people? They ask you all these questions. Then they take your suitcases and run them through the machine. And then... If they see something they don't like in the machine, you go to this other station, you put your suitcase up there, and they have actually the picture of the, the x-rays. And they say, okay, well, I see something in there, and it's round. And uh, I, I, want to, you know, I want you to find it and show me what it is. And I said, I don't know what it is. Tell me where it is. So, and she could point to exactly where in the suitcase the thing was. And guess what it was? Fig paste. <laughs> that fig paste stops us every single time. 
listen, we don't need any. I've got some in the fridge from last time we were there. We don't need any more fig paste. It takes up all my time at the airport. <laughs> Anyways, buying the fig newtons without the figs, you go to the store, you love the fig newtons, and you, if, you, if you bought a package of them and there was no fig paste in the middle of them, what would, you'd be kind of disappointed. You'd probably stop buying those fig newtons, right? They should just change the name to Newtons. <laughs> Jesus went to this tree, and there were leaves there, but no fruit. And I wondered, and I think about this for you and for me, is Jesus looking for fruit in us? He's hungry for fruit in us. His desire is that there would be fruit in us. And the question is, is he, is he finding any? Turn back to Matthew chapter 7. In verse 16, Matthew chapter 7, uh, Jesus talked about fruit earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew seven sixteen. <clears throat> He's talking about false prophets. He says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, you will recognize them. This is how you know what kind of people we are, by the fruit that comes out of our lives. I'm not talking just about work. I'm not talking about works. Well, we're talking about fruit here. Uh, Spurgeon, the, the famous English preacher, said the first Adam came to the fig tree for leaves, but the second Adam looks for figs, looks for fruit. Right? You remember that? Way back in Genesis? They went to the fig tree, but they, were, they got the leaves. That's what they were looking for. But Jesus is looking for figs. He's looking for fruit. So the question really is, in, in our lives... What kind of fruit are we talking about here, and, 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 the, and can we produce that fruit? How do we produce that fruit? So I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Some of you know that I would turn there because it gives us a list of fruit. And this is an incredible list, uh, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. The, the previous verses, he talks about really the, the fruit of the flesh, the acts of the flesh, the sinful nature. But in verses 22 and 23, he talks here about fruit, a different kind of fruit. Look at verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. How many of you want that kind of fruit in your life? I mean, just stop right there. That's, that's what I want in my life. That's the kind of fruit I want to see coming out. And this is what the Bible says is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the kind of fruit that, that God would see love, that He would come and see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, these things coming out of our lives. Is He seeing any of those things? But again, how 
can we produce that fruit? It's the, it's the fruit of the Spirit, of the Spirit of God within us. We cannot make and manufacture that kind of fruit, right? We cannot make it happen. We could, we could perhaps um, whittle some up, wooden fruit, maybe make it out of wax like I was talking, or even plastic, but that's just what it is. This, is. this is produced by the Spirit of God, by God working in our hearts and our lives. But it, but it requires us to be cooperative with Him. It, it requires us to be submitted and, <clears throat> excuse me, allowing Him to, to, to do a work in us to produce that fruit. It's not just an automatic thing. It's a day-by-day thing. We're going to read about that in a minute as we abide as we remain, as we keep ourselves in that place. Turn ahead a couple of books to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. It says there that for this reason, since the day we heard about you, Paul is saying about the believers in Colossae, he says, we have not stopped praying for you. And asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. And here's the part, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. They, they were praying, Paul was praying for them, that they would have God working in their hearts and lives. It takes prayer, praying for other people, but also praying for our own lives, our own spiritual lives, that, that we would see God working in us, that we would live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. And when He comes to our lives and He comes, He sees that fruit that's growing there, the fruit of the Spirit that's growing there. Turn with me to Psalm, Psalm 1. Uh, Psalm 1 in the middle of your Bibles, of course. Psalm 1 and verse 1. Psalm 1, verse 1. <clears throat> this concept, you find this concept throughout the Bible, and I've just picked a few passages, important passages, to look at in terms of fruit in our lives. Verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. We're not going to find fruit following the ways of the world. He says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. What do we see here as part of a, uh, uh, this process of growing fruit in our lives? What's one of the most important things? Hmm? God's word, right? The scripture it says he, he, he delights in the law of the Lord. And that's a picture of God's word. He meditates on it day and night. He's thinking about what God's Word says. This is where fruit's going to come in our lives. It's, it's not going to be, um, you know, sitting in the 
seat of mockers and the standing in the way of sinners and the walking the counsel of the wicked. Not, it's not going to be from listening to what the world has to say. It's not going to be uh, watching television eight hours a day, uh, listening to music that the world is propagating, you know, five, six hours a day. That, that's not going to bring fruit in our lives. We have to understand that. He says, blessed is the man who does not do those things, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. God wants to bring that fruit in lives. And I think everyone, I didn't, I didn't look at every single hand, but when I asked you how many of you want that fruit in your lives, I think just about every hand went up. Some of you might be a little, I don't want no fruit in my life. I don't want anybody thinking that I've got love. I'm not, you know, I just want to keep my distance from people. I don't want any of that stuff. But most of you said it. So, you, so if, if you do want those kinds of things, then what does the Bible say? How do we get it? Well, we have to say, number one, we need to be delighting in the law of the Lord and the, and the, the word of God. How, how are you going to learn patience unless you know that, that, that God is going to teach us patience and you read about it in his word? How are you going to know what love is unless you read about it and, and you read that it says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And you think about the example of our Savior Jesus that he gave his life. How are we going to know? We're not going to know what true fruit is. We're not going to be surrendered and submitted. I want that fruit, but, but one thing I found in walking with Jesus is that if you want what... He has to give. You've got to do it his way and not yours. You've got to submit to what the, the direction and the avenues that he's provided for us. And number one is the word of God. That's why we, we teach the word of God verse by verse. We, we encourage you to, to have your own Bible, to read your Bible, to, to ask God to speak to you through it, to uh, you know, go to Bible studies, listen to good Bible teaching on the radio, you know, God has provided all these avenues, but do we take advantage of them is the question. Or just like that plastic fruit that gets kind of dusty, that Bible of yours is sitting on the shelf or, or even sitting on the coffee table next to the plastic fruit, and it's got the dust on it. And you, can, you, you, could, write, you could make a big heart in it on the dust or something. You know, heart stands for love. Yeah, I got a lot of love there. You know, we laugh, but, you know, it's so easy because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is. And we can find all sorts of reasons why not to, not to open that book, not to read the book, because I'm tired, you know, I didn't get enough sleep, I'm sick, I have a cold, you know, I just want to veg out in front of the TV set. You know, we got all these reasons, and then we wonder why we got no fruit in our lives. Because we're not doing what God asks us to do. We're not uh, taking advantage, really, of the blessings. Again, he's not telling us, listen, I want you to have some fruit in your life. And you've got to work really hard at it. And, and if you can work hard at it, you get the fruit, and then I'll be happy with you. That's not like how it works, is it? He says, you know, I want fruit in your life, and I'm going to help you have the fruit. And come to me, and I'll show you, and I'll do it. I will do it, he says. Let's turn to John chapter 15. You'll see what I mean. John chapter 15. John 15 verse 1. The chapter about fruit, the vine and the branches. 
One thing about Israel, too, um, again, there's so much desert. And it's a very dry land, but they have, they have become incredibly adept at bringing, like, fruit out of that land. And don't ask me how they do it, but, but they have all these techniques and ways of, of, of bringing this incredible fruit, and, and the fruit over there is just phenomenal. But they've brought it out of this land. It's a very harsh land and a hard land. And, uh, and I think it's through the, really through the blessing of God that is even, even possible. But look at verse uh, 1, chapter 15 of John. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. Just think about that for a minute. How many of you have gardens? Not yet, but you will. And you've got to be a gardener. And so this idea, again, is what I've been saying about the fact that God wants to bring fruit in our lives. Well, he's the gardener. He is going to work at it. He's going to, he's going to facilitate it. He's going to bring it about. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But look at verse 2. He says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Gets rid of the stuff that's not like producing at all. And the stuff that is, he, even, even when there is fruit there, there's still this kind of painful process of pruning. When you got to cut back, you got to cut that all back so that it will be even more fruitful. He says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. But look at verse 4, he says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I like the verb that the, the King James Version uses, abide. Abide in me. Actually, like, have your life in me is what it means. Live your life in me, and you will find fruit. You will have fruit. You cannot bear fruit unless, he said, you abide, remain in me. We can't do it. We can't force it to happen. It's got to be a fruit of the Spirit of God's work as we remain, as we abide in Him, as we live our lives in Him day by day by day. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain or abide in you, ask whatever you wish it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We saw in Matthew 7, he said, how will they recognize you? By your fruit. He says, you will show yourselves to be my disciples. It will be to the Father's glory. Why? Because it's not our own fruit. It's his fruit in us. As we abide in him, as his words, again, back to the scripture, his words abide in us. The fruit. One more verse there in, in uh, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my commandment, love each other. 
fruit that will last. That's what I want. I want fruit in my life. I, it, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not here this morning saying I got all this fruit growing. I, I, I see the huge need for fruit to grow in my life. But it comes as we abide, as we remain and live our lives in Him. Day by day by day. It's not by living in the world. We are in the world, Jesus said also, but not of the world. I want to see fruit in my life, that love, joy, peace, patience. How many of you need a little more patience? How many of you need a little more love? feel like, oh, I just don't like people. How could I ever love them? (laughs) Fruit, he says there, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Maybe because we, if we really do it the way he asks us to, maybe they're going to call us fruit cakes. I don't know. But the point is that there would be fruit coming out of our lives. And that's what people see. That's what makes a difference. That's what people see and they say, you know, what is different about you? What is it about you that is different? It's the fruit they see. It's not that you got a bunch of leaves. It's not that you carry a big giant Bible. You know, you have a big cross around your neck. It's not that. It's, it's that there's some, some fruit there that, that they've tasted, some love coming out of our lives, some joy, some peace. I didn't mention joy. But joy is something I think we all want, too. We go, gosh, Lord, I, I need some joy in my life. I'm, I'm, like, depressed. I don't have any kind of joy going on. I need peace. It's going to come from Him. That fruit is going to come from Him. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But it begins with surrender. It begins with abiding. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 21. <clears throat> The disciples, as I mentioned earlier, I think they ask maybe not the most important question. They asked him in verse 20, they asked him, how? When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. How would you do that? And it's kind of human for us to say, like, wow, how would you do that? Like, you know, I want to know the secret, the trick to that. And it was an important question, and, <clears throat> but I think the why is even more important. But, but let's look at the second half of this quickly, is, is the question of how. The amazing thing, I think, to me, is how, and we talk about patience and the fruit of the Spirit. Well, of course, Jesus had all the fruit of the Spirit, right? And patience, and he was patient with them. And it, it amazes me that it may not have been the most important question, but Jesus answered it anyways, And look what he says to them in verse 21. He says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt. Not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, and go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. He answered the question, how did you do that? Well, it was was, Jesus explained to them, how did something like this that could be so impossible to happen, it comes about through faith. 
It comes about through trust. He says, without doubting. Now, these verses are kind of interesting to me because I think we've seen in the history, even in my short history of the church, the history of the church is much longer, obviously, but in my short history, I've seen it where people have kind of take things out of context and, and some verses like this, they would use it to, you know, like to name it and claim it. Well, if you just say it, if you just speak to it, if you do these kinds of things, then God is going to have to do everything that you say and, and the things you demand. And I understand, you know, you can take things to extreme and, and there's these, uh, you know, out of context concepts. But we're looking at this in context now, right? And we're looking at it and Jesus said those words. So we cannot just discard them and throw them out. They're important. They're the words of Jesus. We've just been looking saying, if you want the fruit of the Spirit to have God's word in you, and Jesus said, and my words abide in you. So what did he say there? He said, if you have faith and don't doubt. James says, speaking about someone asking for wisdom, he says, when he asks, you must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So there's a sense in Jesus saying, just trust me. Trust me. You say, well, we all have doubts to deal with. Yes, we do. But are we going to feed the doubts? Or are we going to feed our faith? Are we going to make a choice to, to follow the way of trusting faith in Jesus? Or are we going to look at all the doubts and the circumstances and the, the, how impossible it, it could be? Because we have a choice. We make choices all the time. Faith, trust. He says that when we, when, we, when we have these doubts, it's like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. But we're talking here about a faith and, and a trust in a Savior that is able to move mountains. Now, he's not talking... Uh, he's not talking about the physical landscape, right? Because there have been people through the centuries who truly have a, a very, very strong faith without doubt. And, and if that was what he's talking about, the landscape would be changing all the time, right? Not maybe by me or you, but, but by people who have that kind of faith. He's talking about the mountains in our lives, is he not? And how do we get through those things? How do we get over those things? How do we get... Uh, you know, survive. It's by faith. It's by this trusting faith. It's not faith in our faith, though. Do you know what I mean by that? We don't have faith in our faith. We have faith in a God who can do the impossible. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever put your focus on my faith. No, faith is simply trusting in a God who can do the impossible. That's part of the problem, too, about these, the, they, call it, they call it actually the faith movement because there's so much focus on the faith. The focus never needs to be on the faith. The focus needs to be on the one who we have faith in, you see. That's a big difference because then they put a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, guilt on you. Well, your faith wasn't strong enough. Your faith wasn't this and that. No, the focus needs to be on him. Believe and don't doubt because he is a God who can do the impossible and he still moves mountains. 
He moves those mountains in our lives. I don't know what you're facing in your life today. Maybe, maybe it's just a little hill. Maybe there's a huge mountain that you're facing in your life right now. But, but I don't know what it is, but I want to encourage you that he is one who, who can still do something about that situation. It may take some time, but I believe that he will answer your prayers as you trust in him. I, and I, 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 just, I just know it. He may not do it the way you want him to do it every single time. He may not do it as fast as you want him to do it every single time. But I believe that he will do it every single time. Trust me, he says. Trust me, he says. Maybe there's a mountain in your life that you want to pray about today and you want, you want to come and, and, and maybe have someone pray with you. I don't know if I said this story recently here about a pastor who, who uh, he got to the point in his life and I read his story and, and he got to this point in his life where he was so discouraged and, and the mountains were so big he just, he just wanted to quit. He just wanted to give up. He, it was all over, and he, and, he, and he went to his wife, and he said, that's it, I'm done, I'm done. And she said, you know what? You, your faith may not be there right now, but I still trust God, and I believe God. And she, she said to him, hold on to my faith. Hold on to my faith. We're going to get through this thing. Maybe sometimes it's my faith that's going to help you or your faith that's going to help me, you see, or the person next to you. These are Jesus' words. Look at verse 22 again. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Do we believe him? We can't explain these things away. We, we, we don't want to take it out of context of the whole of Scripture, but we can't discard it. We can't throw it out. The fact of the matter is that God answers prayer, and that prayer changes things. My house, he said, will be called a house of prayer. Not pretense, not profit. But prayer, yes, we're human. And we've looked more than once at the man who said to Jesus, you know, if you can, you know, do something for my son. And Jesus answered, if you can, with a question mark, he said, everything is possible for him who believes and immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. We all can relate to that to some degree. But Jesus said, if you have the faith as small as a what? Mustard seed. You got that. I got that. Because our God is way, way bigger. One thing I, I want to mention here before we finish is this thing that in Mark's account of this uh, he, he also adds the facet about forgiveness. He says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. There's something very powerful about forgiveness that is part of this too. We can pray all we want, but if we've got this unforgiveness, this hardness against someone, we need to forgive we need to let it go and give it to God. There's a passage in 1 Peter chapter 3 talking about the, the husband and wife relationship where it says that, you know, that the husband needs to be uh, 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 taking care of his wife. 
listening to his wife, dwelling with his wife according to knowledge. And then in the end of that passage, it says, so that you're, you know, do these things so that your prayers would not be hindered. Sometimes we have a, we have, we're, un, we're unforgiving, unforgiving against even our spouse or maybe our, our friends or somebody that we work with. And, and you know, it, it, it's not good. It's not good. And, it, and it, it, that will keep fruit from coming into our lives. I know there was a guy that I worked with, this boss I worked for, and uh, I, I wanted to see something happen, and, and I won't go into the whole story, but, you know, the boss said no. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk next week about authority, uh, the authority of Jesus and, and the whole concept of authority. But the boss said no, and, you know, I was, I was kind of angry. I didn't tell him that, but I'd see him walking down the hall, and, you know, the boss said no. But you know what? Um, God got a hold of me, and, and, you know, it was like, hey, you know, you're like, you're messed up, dude, is what he said to me. We didn't use those words, but that's kind of my paraphrase. What kind of fruit is that? You're walking around angry at the boss because he didn't say yes to you. And, and, and I, I was, what, what, what I believe that he showed me to do was to begin to pray for him and, and to begin to pray blessings on him. And I just began to pray for him and his family and that blessings would be upon him and, and God would just pour out his love upon him. And you know, guess what happened? Guess who changed? Yeah, me. And you know what? In the end, um, God worked it out so much better than I, what I thought. And I'll tell you that whole story some other time. But God worked it out way better than what I thought it should be like. Forgive. There's, forgiveness is so powerful. And sometimes forgiveness, too, is something we need to continually do. You know, perhaps one of our parents was bad. You know, even when my own father, uh, you know, he was not a good guy, you know. Uh, I, he was just not a good guy, and I need to forgive him, and, and I do forgive him. But then something happens, and I remember, and I, and I need to go back and forgive again and walk in forgiveness. Through, through this surrender and abiding in him. So Jesus is looking at you and me, and, and does he see these things? Does he see fruit, number one? And number two, does he just see us as a trusting, like children, trusting him and believing him in prayer? One passage, let's close with Luke chapter 13 and verse 6 through 9. Luke 13. Luke 13. He told, a, he told this parable. He said, A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? And sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it, fertilize it. If it, bear, if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. I kind of feel like that's us. Well, maybe there's not a lot of fruit, but God, we, we want that fruit in our lives. Give us a little more time. You know, do whatever it takes. 
in our lives to bear fruit, to bring your fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. God, just do whatever you need to do. I think that's a good prayer for you and for me. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we come humbly before you. We're not really all that fruitful. I think maybe there are times when we are. Maybe there are times when we're not, Lord. But we surrender and submit to you this morning knowing that the fruit comes through you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And we want to see that fruit in our lives, God. And I know that, that many of us uh, uh, are just saying, gosh, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't feel so fruitful. And Lord, you see our hearts and you know us. And so I, I just want, uh, Lord, myself and, and maybe many here this morning to simply recommit our lives to you and say, God, I, I want to abide in you and I want fruit, fruit that lasts. I want, I want fruit that, that people could see in my life and, and that would bring you glory, Lord, as Jesus said, to the Father's glory, that we bear much fruit. Lord, maybe that in itself is a huge mountain. Maybe that is just like impossible. How could that ever be? But as we trust you, God, as we trust you, you do the impossible. You move mountains. Father, we come before you this morning. We make that, that cry, that plea of our hearts. Lord, we surrender to you. We submit to you for that patience, faithfulness, self-control, goodness, gentleness, love, joy, peace, kindness, Lord, we want those things in our lives, Lord. We can't do it. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We can grow nothing. Father, make us veritable fruit factories. The fruit of your spirit, Lord. I just want to take a moment now in the quietness of your own heart to, 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 to speak to him, to talk to him about that. Do you really want that? Do you really want to see him do that in your life? Just call, call him. Just tell him, yes. Yes, Lord. I want that. Father God, we humble ourselves before you, the great and awesome, almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray.